0: Welcome inside episode 664 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains and we have Mark Methot joining today's show to dissect last night's
1: 5-4 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Ottawa Senators are officially for sale with one condition that you might want to hear about.
0: All that coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators Podcast. And it's brought to you by Bet Online. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Visit Bet Online. It's where the game starts. And now the show starts. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day.
1: Your Locked On Senators. Your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Schlitzler, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast.
0: Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Friday, November 4th. The show is free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to like every video by clicking the thumbs up and subscribing to the Locked On Senators channel. Be a friend, tell a friend, tell them. To subscribe to and leave a comment below. The comment is: We're now ten games into the season. We want to know how are you feeling about the Ottawa Senators, Pillsy? What's your answer?
1: I am nervous. I'm not panicked. Uh, there's no uh, high anxiety. I'm not smashing any buttons. I'm not. Po- I'm not pointing any aggressive fingers, saying this guy's got to go, fire this guy. We need trades. Look, we're ten games in. Not a math guy, with seventy-two games left. There's a lot of the season here. Artem Zub's going to come back in. Cam Talbot. We got a first glimpse of him as an Ottawa sender. Although I'm not even remotely suggesting that Anton Forsberg has been an issue. It is nice to have a little bit of a, a breather with the second goalie that can come in more comfortably. So this is this has been a tough start, four and six. But we wanted the sends to be right around 500. They're a little bit below 500, but. We'll take a look at the schedule. There are some games coming up ahead that give you a little bit more optimism than the tough teams they've played lately. Dare I say
0: must-win games coming up?
1: There's going to be a must-win game coming up here for sure. Absolutely, yeah.
0: I, I think the stretch between now and when they play in Vegas, you have to go above 500. And I would say that even if they weren't sitting right now here at four wins, six losses after 10 games. Philly at home, Vancouver at home. Then you go to New Jersey. That'll be a tough test. The Devils are playing well, but you should yeah. be ahead of them. Then you go to Philly. Then you come back. The Islanders are playing well, but that's a team. If you think you're a playoff team, you got to beat them. The yes. Sabres look good, but they gave them a good fight in Buffalo, the home opener for the Sabres back then. Well, now you've got your own home ice. And then they've got the Devils at home, and then they go to San Jose. Those are all winnable games and it's unfortunate the four game losing streak is what it is it's unfortunate that they've played pretty poorly throughout now last night I think is an exception they threw 46 shots on net I believe they had 58 if not more shot attempts there was a lot to like about last night's game but still the same defensive breakdowns we're going to get into that more with Mark Mathot who is at the game broadcasting for TSN Pelzi the big news though the Senators acknowledging what People magazine reported earlier this week or sorry, they reported on who's interested, which was Ryan Reynolds. And we get Matt's favorite Ryan Reynolds movie. And we got a lot of good answers there uh, in the comments from yesterday. But there um, it was Sportico's report earlier this week that said the senators are for sale. The Sens have acknowledged that in a statement from Sheldon Plenner, the chairman and governor right now of the Sens. Here's the quote. Gala Teoto Sports Partners has been retained as a financial advisor and a process has been initiated for the sale of the Ottawa Senators. This was a necessary and prudent step to connect with those deeply interested parties who can show us what their vision is for the future of the team. A condition of any sale will be that the team remains in Ottawa. The organization will have no further comment on this process at this time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Maybe there's a handful of uh, reporters on Twitter that were jesting at the fact that the team might move. But I didn't even think about that for a single second, Ross, because all you have to do is look at the Arizona Coyotes. Like, Gary Bettman will not move a team unless it is the absolute last option and nothing is working. Like, people need to understand that. So everything is just outside noise. The team's staying in Ottawa. We know there's a passionate fan fan base here. We know there's a lot of optimism going to a new downtown arena. So I'm glad this is just once and for all settled so we don't even have to think about talking about this anymore.
0: Extremely exciting times right now. It sounds, uh, I mean, Bruce Garriock in question period last night on the TSN broadcast said, quote, the phone is ringing off the hook for interested parties. So, I mean, that's solid. And you look at, a 21% gain in value year over year for the Ottawa Senators, highest jump in the National Hockey League, and with a new arena potentially coming, and really setting themselves up as a premier like, if you build it, they will come. And what do they say? Um, location, location, location is uh, the first five lessons of real estate. There's no better place for them to be than LeBreton Flats. They'll be right, right. Uh, accessible for uh, both sides of the river. People from Quebec will have a much easier time coming in and going to games. And there's just a million reasons why it's, it's a must have for the success of the organization. So it's, it's a step though that the senators have acknowledged this and we'll see what leaks, because I think that it's already gotten wacky. We're already at the stage where Hollywood is potentially involved. and Should I even say that it's getting wacky? Remember when, uh, Robert Kraft's granddaughter just took a photo at the CTC. Yeah. like Robert Kraft's by the team. Justin Bieber's interested. Like there, there's just been a gong show already. So I'm excited for that to continue.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a good story. And NHL teams don't come up for sale very often. And when they do, especially at a time where COVID kind of took a, took a chunk out of the league's value, but now they're fully on the rise again. It's a good time to get into buying a team. I mean, I'm not. I'm no expert. Uh, so you're saying you're an expert? No, Andy, I am not an expert. Oh, so you're an expert? There it is. No, I'm not an expert. But if I was a billionaire, which getting there, Ross, I'm, I'm working towards it. A couple local sponsors, and maybe we're on our way. But I would be. Ch- I would be phoning up the Ottawa Senators with heavy interest because. Also, if you got that much money, you got to own a sports team. Like, what else do you do with that kind of money? Own a sports team and get crazy with it. The last team
0: to sell was the Pittsburgh Penguins to the Fenway Group. $900 million. And Decent. it sounds like the Senators could be up towards $800 million. Although the value of the franchise for uh, Sportico earlier this week in that same article was around six fifty, but. You look at the potential it, growth with the
1: stadium, yeah, and it's the it's an old saying, Ross. Like the value of what something is is what someone's willing to pay for it, right? <laughs> sure, maybe that is the logistical, in, insurance, uh, financial value of it, but if the phone's ringing off the hook, you're going to get competitive offers, and that price is going to go up and up and up. So, very intriguing times. And I think if you're a sense fan, this is this is good news. Not that we were under the impression that. Anna and Olivia Melnick wouldn't have been able to to handle this, but I think it's time for a fresh look, a fresh new coat of paint coming in here and a fresh set of ideas and uh, uh, experience to go along with it. So this is all great news.
0: Yeah, we'll follow this story as it continues. We appreciate everyone for joining us in the postcast last night. Immediately following the Senators 5-4 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, we had a special appearance in the postcast after dark by Sens Chirp as well. Nice. So uh, make sure that you tune in exclusively on YouTube for that conversation. What an absolute beauty is Sens Chirp. And he's always looking at the bright side, and I can appreciate that out of him. It was himself, my, me, and Lalim's Martian. Pillsy will be back in the postcast on Saturday when they take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Pillsy, out of this stretch I mentioned coming up, you know what, let's cut it back down to just the next four games. Philadelphia and Vancouver at home, New Jersey and Philly on the road I think you have to win three out of four
1: no agreed yeah I would agree um if we're looking for a must-win game that's tough I want to say one of the Philly games but the way that Vancouver Canucks team is in shambles like if you can't catch a team when they're down bad you kind of take on you kind of take on their energy yeah yeah, I mean, they've won three of their last four, though, all of a sudden. so Yeah, that's it, fair. That long time. Yeah, and the Devils are hot. Okay, no, that, that decides it. Next game's got to be a must-win, right? Okay. You're at home. You're up against the Philadelphia Flyers. You've lost four games straight. You haven't got a point in any of these losses. You can't afford to just get one point in this game. Yeah, I, I don't know, Ross. You, you're the must-win guy. Are you co-signing this? Like, I feel like next game, Camp Talbot's first game, revenge game – up against philly Whoa. this is a this is a must win game it's gotta be and it's a big time revenge game because talbot's tenure in
0: philadelphia was short it was bad and very bad not full of brotherly love 881 save percentage in four starts one win
1: yeah yeah i'll co-sign that cam talbot looked fantastic though last night hey yeah, I mean, in the limited time he got in, uh, he definitely looked good. And that's that's tough as a attendee, Ross, to have your first game of the season come in in relief. And not only come in in relief, but be the guy that still has to hold this together. Because the Sens had a chance to win this game. It's not like it was like 8-1 and you're literally just, all right, let's run the clock down here and get on the bus. Like... There's there's a lot on the line here, especially with this losing streak at home. So I thought he did a pretty good job. And although I'm a Magnus Helberg guy through and through, it is nice to see Cam Talbot back in the mix here because I, I think that's going to help this squad out.
0: And of course, it's at no fault of Anton Forsberg. No. And, really,
1: like, and so- Ross, for the first time, at least I think ever, we saw some serious frustration. I, I, I saw a tweet. I, I think it was pesky Sands or someone tweeted out the video of him in the hallway. And he snaps his twig right away when he goes into the dressing room. Like he was absolutely pissed as he should be because he's just getting hung out to dry every single game. Like we were going to get into with Mark, mathot all these goals came off the rush except for the first one, which arguably is much worse than coming off the rush. Like he had no chance on any of these goals. If you ask me. So it's about time he is able to boil over, snap his twig, and now take take a rest and uh, regroup here.
0: So the Ottawa Senators are turning the page after the first 10 games of the season. And one troubling trend before we get into our conversation with Mark Mathot is the penalty kill. At times, they've been great. I mean, they've scored a shorthanded goal as well. Um, one on the season, the Matthew Joseph against Tampa. But they've allowed a power play goal against in eight of 10 games, including two against Washington. So nine power play goals against in 10 games. And even worse than that, going back, actually, you know what? We can go back the entire season. And I wonder how this compares with other teams. They've, so they only allowed two against Toronto, but outside of that, every game is three or more penalties. They're giving up putting the other team on the power play in this four game losing streak. Power plays against four, four, eight, four. You're giving other teams way too many opportunities with the man advantage. To contrast that, the the only time in the last four games they earned more was against Minnesota. They had five. Only two against Florida, three against Tampa, three against Vegas, and in the last two games, power plays zero for six.
1: And Ross, that's a result of a poor defense that's constantly playing on their heels, and they have no they have no option but to take penalties because they're simply outclassed. So that's a trend that I see continuing. Well, Artem Zub's coming back soon, but until he comes back or until Pierre Dorian, who's uh, racking up the air miles now, doing some scouting trips, uh, adds another defenseman, that's a trend that's going to continue, unfortunately.
0: All right. Well, a trend that we
1: are very fortunate to have continue is Mark
0: Mathot on Locked On Senators. We already have him booked next week. So this is, for we're hoping... The rest of the season, if not beyond, that Mark Mathot might challenge our boy Atleem's Martian for best friend of the show. It's going to take a lot to get there, but my goodness, we appreciate what Meth's been able to bring to the show. He's clear, he's concise, and he's conversational. He knows how to have a laugh at his own expense as well. He fits in just perfectly. So let's get to Mark Mathot. He's going to carry us through the rest of the show. Half hour with Meth
1: coming up. But first, Pilsy, you've got a word from one of our favorite sponsors. And speaking of trends, Ross, the best place to find all of the trends and action for sports gambling, betonline.net. It's the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network, and for a good reason, they've got all the latest odds, scores, player performance, props, totals, unders, money line, puck line, whatever you like, you can find it at betonline.net. It's where all your sports gambling should start so that you're informed and you can make the best decisions you can possibly make. And it's not just hockey, guys. They got basketball, baseball, football, soccer, golf, boxing, UFC. They got it all. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Guys, it's betonline.net, where the game starts.
0: All right, let's get to our conversation with former Sens defenseman and TSN broadcaster. It's Mark Mathot. All right, we now welcome back one of our favorite friends of the show. It's Mark Mathot, former NHLer, former Ottawa Senator, and he had boots on the ground to last night's wild back and forth game. And we're glad you got home, Meth. Uh, I heard you had a little problem in the parking lot.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's an understatement. I'm leaving gate three and heading on a to Palladium towards the highway. Some van, some guy, for all I know, he probably had a few drinks in the system, cuts me off, which is okay, because I'm not going to get in, involved in an altercation leaving the CTC. <laughs> so I'm like, go right ahead, no problem. And um, so he kind of got in my way, and he's right in front of me at this point. And that section of the Palladium Drive is like, they're it's exposed. I think they're repaving or something. So there was there was a manhole that was, you know, probably three or four inches off the ground, exposed. And my right front tire clipped it and it went right away. Like the alarm on my car went off right away. And I'm like, oh my God. And I don't live near Canada. I'm in Manitek. So so I'm I'm inching my way to the McDonald's by the Cabela's. And long story short, I left it there overnight. I still have no idea if it'll be there this morning when I go and pick it up after this conversation we're having. So that'll be an adventure in itself. But I yeah, it's that I've had a lot
0: of bad luck this summer with tires. So here we are. Well, we're always good for a tire pump now and again. Yeah. Now, now, how did you end up getting home? You just called a taxi?
2: Called an Uber, but the oh, Uber nice. was stuck in the traffic and on Palladium Drive. So that took about 30 minutes for him to get about a mile from where he was to my location. Oh. Um, so I was just sitting in my car and there's like fans coming and going, but the McDonald's was closed, the Tim Hortons was closed, and it
0: was just not ideal. And I heard that you're a quarter pounder guy. Is that your go-to order at McDonald's? Every time every time okay. i
2: mean i love big macs nice. too but i just i like the more meat the better and um yeah the qpc is my go-to all right Pilsy, <laughs> what do you get
1: at mcdonald's we're I always that. together. yeah we usually do wendy's I, I just go for the classic big mac you got to upgrade those fries though got to be a large fry wait wait That's... wait
2: Pillsy, you said you go to wendy's
0: typically
1: W- yeah, we're, we we're big to- Wendy's guys when we worked wow. in uh, Belleville. Yeah, yeah, Matt, I don't know if
0: you know this. When we were out of school, we were living in Toronto, but we both wanted experience. The podcast had, like, my mom and a couple other people listening at the time. We're like, you know what? It would add a little credibility if we got a part-time job working in the game ops for Belleville. So I would pick Pillsy up every Friday, Saturday, pretty much, and we make the two-hour drive. We don't stop at the Wendy's on the way there and on the way back for three hours of minimum wage work
1: <laughs> <laughs> sickos
0: yeah. oh, that's awesome that was a grind but hey it was awesome getting to see that was the year where they were first place unfortunately yeah. COVID came we were we were already getting sized for our calder cup rings like we were yeah. we were, we we're already ready for an ahl championship but unfortunately it wasn't to be although a lot of those players are on the team now what was your take on last night's game i mean they dropped down 5-1 the comeback looks great but ultimately falls short
2: yeah and i think I think people get caught up into that comeback. I mean, and great for Ottawa to see a little resilience there in that third period. But when you're playing in a game and you're in those situations and you have a 5-1 lead halfway through the second period, it's, it's human nature. There'll be a tendency to let off the gas pedal a little bit, right? So naturally, Ottawa took advantage of that. They came back. But the problem, I mean, you can highlight that part of the game and think, oh, boy, this was great. You know, we came back. It was a close game. We were in it. But they never really were in it. I mean that first that first period and a half was very messy, particularly the first right and yeah, you know Ottawa was getting their chances. They were trading it's, right off the bat. That was my first. The first thing that I caught um, wind of was that in that, those first ten minutes, there was a lot of exchanges. Right, Ottawa was kind of just play that riverboat gambling style hockey, going back and forth with Vegas, and that was uncharacteristic of Vegas. That's not their game. They're super defensive, but then they settled in, and where I found Vegas was very good. We're on on those transitions. So like, you know, they, they recoup the puck at their blue line and they'd get these odd man rushes when they had numbers and they were, they were crisp with it. Like they were making good plays. They were weaving a little bit, giving Ottawa different looks and it was creating fits for Ottawa's defense. And they weren't getting enough back pressure either. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, and I feel like, I feel like it sound like a broken record. Cause I know you guys talk about it at nauseam on here too, where right now we all know Ottawa can score goals. I mean, they're, they're terrific offensively. It's a team that we haven't seen that here in a couple seasons now where they're so deep offensively. They're a scoring threat every night. But it's just that defensive side of the puck, and that's going to bite them in the ass unless they start addressing that. And some of those mistakes, I mean, you guys, I'm sure you guys saw them. Like, I talked about it after the game. Those first four goals by Vegas, well, throughout the game, I should say, they were all at the rush in some way, shape, or form. Like, it wasn't like there was a sustained ozone pressure cycle, rip it around, then get the goal. Like it was all off the rush, you know, and I'm including the two-on-one on on Shabbat in that kind of context. But yeah, I have major concerns right now with that back end. And you're really seeing how fragile the group is now without Zub, which again, I know that isn't groundbreaking news. It's not a hot take. We all know how good he is. I don't know how you guys felt about the game. You know, I I like to be positive, but I saw a lot of very alarming things, particularly early on.
1: So when kind of all the issues are looking at that decor and you you're who better to speak to than this someone that played a a full career at defense like do all the defensemen kind of get together and have like a like a defense only meeting and say look we we got to shape up here like is is thomas shabbat kind of taking the reins here and as as the assistant captain and the guy that's been here the longest like he's really got to get everything together like how does that work when it's seemingly Just one part of the team that's not pulling their weight here.
2: Yeah, well, typically what happens in these situations where, you know, there's an obvious, there's an obvious issue on the team. It's the defense in this course, in this case. Typically what would happen is the defense coach is probably talking to DJ. So Cap's probably having a conversation with DJ last night or this morning. And DJ is probably going to mention maybe we get the D together and go over some video or whatever. So Cap's going to go to Shabbat and he's because you know obviously the the clear-cut guy on the back end he's gonna have a conversation with shabby saying hey how do you feel if we get together before practice today go over some stuff shabby's gonna say yeah let's do it they all get together in the video room and they're gonna go over clips some of those clips are gonna be uncomfortable um some of those clips are gonna make you know players a little you know i don't want to say resentful but you know you're seeing mistakes glaring mistakes that you're aware of that you've made in those moments like most of the time when you do video and you're you're going over a game, you already know where you made the you know. mistake. You know yeah. you know where you made the mistake when you're coming off the ice, but um, clearly they need to sit down and go over a lot of stuff. I just a lot of the reads that I was seeing, it was just like these are these are basic reads that you learn early on in your career. Like and I was touching on that in my pregame hit yesterday when I talked about the game against Tampa. You know that like the Zaitsev play where he lunges out um when Brady was playing was I don't know if that was last night or the game before I'm all mixed up now but there was a three on three and Brady was the far side Nick Paul carries it in goes wide Brady's got him instead of just keeping him on the outside Zaitsev lunges out towards him you know that's just one example but yeah it's an area where I mean you have to get uncomfortable now and go over these clips and and it starts with your leaders too like Shabbat he's gonna need to be better right and he knows it everyone knows it um he's fighting the puck right now and you know, I had this conversation with Jamie Baker during the game last night, too, where, you know, Shabby's been used to being the number one guy here with no one really breathing down his neck. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I love I love Thomas. He's a classy guy. And I it's hard for me to be critical of his game. But, you know, now Sanderson's there. So Shabby's on the bench. He's watching Sandy. He's playing real good hockey. And it's like, you know, now you've got two legitimate guys sort of fighting for that top dog spot. I know that's not Sanderson's approach. I'm certainly not yeah. putting words in his mouth, but. You know, it does a mental thing to you when you've been on your own for a few years carrying that back end. So, you know, those are some adjustments there. And then, of course, like, you know, I I saw Shabbat and Branstrom starting the game together. To me, it's like, that doesn't work. You know, that that pairing is not going to work. I like Branstrom. I like his game for the most part to start the year. But you can't put him on that top pairing. You know, there's no no cooler there. You know, and, and Shabby needs a guy like that. So... Um, I don't know what kind of line configurations you do with those pairings, but right now it's not working. And, you know, you're hanging out Forsberg to dry, and that's been a huge issue too. And Talbot comes in, gives him a fresh look. But, you know, my concern is Forsberg's been really good, but that's got to be demoralizing for him too. So everyone needs to be better on that back end.
0: Yeah, no doubt. A bit of a welcome to the NHL moment for uh, Jake Sanderson in the end of the first period there, too, on the Zach Whitecloud uh, goal, bouncing puck right over his stick. And that's not his mistake, by by say, or per se, because, you know, not much you can do, but then kind of gets beat to it there by Eichel and then a tic-tac-toe. Is there yeah. kind of, is can you take a learning experience out of that, though? I mean, this early in the season, if you're a guy like Jake Sanderson, because I think he did a pretty good job of battling back. I thought he was pretty yes. good in the third period.
2: Yeah. And Levy, you nailed it right there. That was the biggest thing. And I wanted to talk about it, but we so there was a bunch of goals that happened right before the third period or before the second, before the second admission. So I had to change the topic to the goals. But what I really liked with Sandy was his bounce back. And it wasn't just the, he had that one play where the puck bounced over a stick, but there was the other one too, where Carlson kind of, was it Carlson? They kind of yeah, came down and took him outside, yeah. went to the left and then went right and got around him. Typically in the past for a guy like Jake Sanderson, you know, a play like that wouldn't really affect him because he really could rely on his skating ability to get back and he could kind of cheat his way through games at times. And he's going to make mistakes. I mean, look how young he is. he's not going to be perfect every night. So, um, but you nailed it there in that. I liked his bounce back. I liked how resilient he was after that. It's really easy as a young player to lose all your confidence after a couple bad plays, whether they're your fault or not. And then kind of curl up into a ball and hide away from the game. You know, like your shifts all of a sudden will start to get shorter. You're looking from 45 second shifts to all of a sudden 30 because you're just, you're hesitant. So he didn't do that. I thought his play elevated afterwards. You know, he was fantastic in the third period. He was moving the puck really well. That speaks volumes to his character and his mental toughness. And I loved what I saw in his game when he came back. So I'm not even remotely concerned about Sanderson right now. He's in a great spot. And you could argue he's the best player back there right now. I mean, who's better than Jake Sanderson at the moment, which is crazy as a defenseman at his age. So I've uh, been very pleased with his play so far.
0: I know you've been waiting for Tyler Clevin too. I'm going to have boots on the ground in grand forks next weekend. Oh, so nice. next, next time you're on, we'll have a full report of uh, how the K trains looking down there, but I could even extend that to Tim Stutz. like that giveaway on the power play that led to the fourth goal off the rush, like that's pretty unacceptable. And And you're yeah. hoping that he learns from that. And then, what what better way to show Claude Giroux's leadership, yeah. eh? In the third period, uh, Mike Johnson, I believe, clipped it. He was saying, like, hey, Giroux sat on the bench when when Timmy came back after taking a hit. Like, hey, we're going. Like, we're going. Are you in or out? And then he scores the next shift.
2: Yeah, that was wild. And I know you guys saw that, too. That, that line, when they made the adjustment and they had Giroux, Kachuk, and Stutzla playing together there at the end of that game they were like, they were possessed, right? Like they were coming in waves. And, and the biggest thing I'd noticed that Ottawa wasn't really doing earlier on was, when and this could be also because Vegas was sitting back a little bit, but this, everything was tape to tape. Everything was crispy. They just seemed a lot more, I guess their chemistry, they were more in sync. Um, but that was like, it was very... It was very chaotic throughout those first two, where they just couldn't get anything. Going. Like they were getting opportunities, they were getting some chances. But you're right, when they made that adjustment and DJ switched them toward the end of the second, they started together in the third. They just built off that and they were flying. So I'm wondering now, I don't know what you guys think. But like, are they going to keep those three together now, going into next game? Like, it's a possibility. I hope so. So we'll we'll see. I I really liked what I saw from that group. They were they were unbelievable. And you mentioned Ross. The same thing with Stutzla. Another one of those kind of giveaways, same thing we saw against Tampa, where in this case, he just kind of fanned on the puck, though. And um, he easily could have curled up into a ball, cower away from the game, but he didn't do that, elevated his play. And a lot of that, I think, comes from guys like Giroux, Kachuk, that leadership role, bringing everybody back up, pulling them along and saying, guys, it's okay, we're going to be fine.
0: Have you ever yeah. scored a goal like Giroux did, the the little one-hopper? on yeah, I hilarious. Oh, yeah. no,
2: no, I. <laughs> It was wild. And, and the fact that the puck had bounced as high as it did, like, you know, sometimes you'll see those bouncing pucks, but the the goalie will still kind of get a pat on it. Um, But in this case, it it took so much, it got a ton of elevation and I feel like the puck had been bouncing around a lot in that period too. And I don't know if it's just the weather, it's humid in the building. So the ice isn't great. Puck is bouncing, but um, I'm sure G will take it. And it was, and and the crowd, the crowd was losing it. Like I was in the building, obviously, Things it just lifted everybody up after that poor start, so it was nice to see.
1: I heard it, that it was
0: Thompson Chance. <laughs> I love those. Yeah, that's fired up like
1: a good 10 They needed year. that at that point, and I loved uh, Mike Johnson's breakdown of that because he's right there, right, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, Cla- Claude." He starts skating to the bench. He doesn't even know, and then when everybody starts selling, he goes to line. He's like, "Yep, yep, yeah, I had that. Yeah, oh, it was
2: great. It was great." And 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 I like, you know, at his age. I, I've been so pleasantly surprised with the way he's been playing. Like you know, we obviously yeah. know he's, he's he's a perennial all star. He's been playing pretty consistently too. There's, there was no real reason to think he would tank this year, but and I, I'm not trying to suggest that, but I really am pleasantly surprised with his play. I mean, he's keeping up with some of these young guys. You know, it's it's incredible. So uh, he obviously has been taking good care of himself. But but that's one of the bright spots that I've seen here in these pickups. Like DeBrinket it is another story right now that we can get into. But yeah, G G's been terrific.
0: And uh, Mark Stone scores in his return. I believe he's got a goal in every time he's back in Ottawa. Do you think he's going to wow. be happy when he watches the video of not his own play, but of your suit? Because I know he was critical of it, Bella. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Yeah, and he's a good dude. I mean, he's he's your prototypical like diehard hockey nerd guy. Like he's like like I show I was talking the the night that he made fun of my suit, chirped me. He has three screens on the go in his yeah. living room. And he had three different games going different sports he's always watching hockey and you know it, it, at the time I'm like why is he watching a Sens game and then it dawned on me that they were here several nights later like he's he's literally scouting that's what yeah. he's doing and I mean that's something that I never did you know when I'm playing like I would have been playing Call of Duty on my couch that night not watching <laughs> hockey but that's what makes him so good and that's what makes these guys play for as long as they do they're just they're so passionate and it was good to see him you could see him and Brady kind of slapping hands at the uh the ceremonial face-off there's still Obviously still a great deal of respect there between those two and uh, good for Sony though. He's
0: found a, a nice little
2: niche there in Vegas.
0: I respect that he had no time for the, the reminiscing at, at the intermission interview. Claire tried her best. Two questions. Asked I know.
2: And, and Claire and Claire means so well too. She know. does such a great job with that stuff. And um, she does her homework. She's always asking questions up in the booth and I, and I feel bad because I told Claire, I'm like, listen, ask him anything. Cause like if, if it's a good question And you know, you get him in the right mood, he'll he'll get into detail and he can sometimes be a little snarky and make a joke or something. But yeah, you're right. He was very stoic and short with her, and I kind of felt bad, but she's just doing her job.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he's in the middle of a game, but you could tell like he he looks like a grizzled vet in the the they had a practice availability with him the day before and like yeah, he just screams captain to me, kind of the one that got away and Pierre Dorian Told us that when we asked what his biggest kind of not regret, but what was the toughest thing about the rebuild, you were second, Meth, when he had to let you go in the expansion draft. But he said the park yeah. Stone trade was the toughest. Uh, coming up, oh, we're gonna get to uh, Meth's take on the first 10 games. We're now 10 games into the Ottawa Senators season. We got a quick word, but first, Meth, for no reason at all, what's your favorite Ryan Reynolds movie?
2: Oh. <laughs> Uh, the the easy answer is Deadpool. I mean, I, I made fun of Green Lantern last night. I think that's that's nice, one of the worst yeah. one of the worst Marvel movies ever. Well, probably is the worst Marvel movie ever made. But it was just cheese. But he's so good. I mean, and Deadpool was fantastic because they basically took the chains off of him and let him play into his own character, which was great. Um, Have you seen Waiting? yeah i was gonna i was just gonna say that's I'm ours yeah. and that was with dane cook right he's he was the cook in the yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah that was that was also great and a bit of an offside movie that probably couldn't get away with anymore but <laughs> yeah big fan
0: but that's that is a day in the life of a restaurant pillsy and yes. i both have restaurant backgrounds and like yeah anna faris was in that one justin long like, that's uh, right that's the right guy for anchorman the sports guy dave yeah. Kochner is in that yeah <laughs> great cast great movie if anybody hasn't seen it well the, the best
2: the best is when they're clock watching and after watching that movie <laughs> yeah. it made me so hyper aware because i used to, like so when that movie came out it was like early 2000 or mid two oh, thousand
1: five, yeah 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 so you're, i was just getting the all,
2: what's that you're probably at the mem cup when it came yeah, out it, it, right around that time right so but the following so after watching that I'd always feel bad. And I was always very hyper aware of getting into a restaurant after a game. My first thing I would say to the host is, are you guys still open? And if you're open, like, are they closing up back there? And sometimes they would tell me that and be like, guys, I'm going to leave. I'm just going to go through a drive through. all good. Cause I know like everybody just wants to go home. And the last thing yeah. I want is to piss off a cook, right? Like they're making <laughs> the food. So
1: Yeah. All right, Pelzi, what yeah. do you got for us? Well, and the last thing you want is unsafeness in your home and the simple way to have a safe home it's simply safe the numbers don't lie in the last decade over four million people have chosen simply safe so you got to think they're doing something right at simply safe your safety is the only thing that matters they protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 yeah 24 7 around the clock professional monitoring agents who always have your back with those professional monitoring agents They will call you the moment a threat is detected and either dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. You got protection everywhere with advanced sensors in every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside. The monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. It doesn't take long at SimplySafe.com slash locked on NHL. Save twenty percent on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. So visit SimplySafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I don't know if I love the creepy music here. Halloween's over, eh, Matt? Do we like
0: this? I don't know. I like it. I it's, feel it's, like this it's it's is the intro to
1: Scooby-Doo. Like, yeah, Scooby yeah, and Shaggy yeah. are walking around, and the, the guy is, like, right behind them.
0: You are <laughs> listening to Locked On Senators. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. We got Martin Mathot with us as well. Meth, how early in the season do guys start looking at the standings?
2: Oh, my God. Well, in this case, right away, right? Because I think now with, with all the parody in the NHL, um we always kind of look at 10, well, when I played at least, we always kind of looking at 10 game segments and coaches have a tendency to do that too. When you have goals and you're not maybe one of the top dogs in the division or or conference, you have to kind of break things down, right? So they're going to go through their first 10 games and they're going to try to figure out what they need to improve on. And I I always thought that was sort of overblown a little bit. I was always just a game by game guy, but I get it. Like you're, you're trying your best to figure out what the, what the trends are in a group. And I mean, there's no question now, and I know I touched on it earlier on. I mean, from what I'm seeing, it's, it's just, it's a mixture of structure and I hate, hate lumping on coaches because I know a lot of people have been very critical online. You guys are seeing it. Um, and, and there's, there it's warranted to a degree at times right now. I can understand. Um, I mean, you're letting teams just work you on the scoreboard night in and night out, at least for the last four games, so you have to call out something. I think, I think it's it's a bit of a combination between the personnel now on the back end. I still maintain that. Like, you know, even with Zub in the lineup, they're still short a guy. You, you, there's no, like, look at Vegas' top six. And they talked about it during the game. I'm not going to get into it. I've got all the names here. Nobody cares to hear it. That's an NHL lineup on that back end. They're probably at the other end of the spectrum. So that's cherry picking a little bit. But, I mean, you look at all the top teams. They're all good skaters. There's a little bit of size back there. You've got a clear-cut power play guy that can run your that can quarterback your PP. I think Shabby's been having a bit of a tough time with that lately. He's a pretty good puck mover, but is he is he a, is he been a real threat up top on his shot? Doesn't have that monster clapper that everyone's fearful of. Now I know that's changing a little bit now in the NHL where you don't really have the top guy anymore, so that probably isn't very fair to criticize him there either. But my my general point is The back end needs an overhaul. Pierre knows that we know he's in Winnipeg. Like I can, I can only imagine he's probably fishing for a defenseman. You have to think. So I can't be hypercritical of Pierre because he had a fantastic summer and you can only go, you know, you're not going to sell the farm to get one right now. You have to be very careful there with some of these prospects that you have. You want to retain them. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but for now the glaring holes on the back end, it needs to be fixed. I've been preaching that all summer. I still maintain that position and it's got, I, I feel like it's probably starting to get very frustrating for the forward group because they're not getting the puck on clean exits. They're having to overwork in their own zone, it means you've got less legs up front when you're playing in the offensive zone. You start to get a little more tired. You're playing on your heels more. It's never fun.
1: One thing I noticed, uh, Mark, is that this team really struggles when the opponent's defense decides to join the rush. We, oh my God, we talked about it with, uh, the Toronto game when Justin Hall comes in and that's an easily preventable goal. And then we talked a little bit about the White Cloud goal here, but yeah, that was a give and go where no one was ready for White Cloud to go through the middle there. And that's not exactly uh, your your high priority offensive threat on the back end for Vegas. I mean, he's no. he's on the bottom pair and one of their lesser known guys. So as a decor, how do you adjust to? playing when the other team's uh defense really likes to join the rush here what's the play there
2: well and that's but that's and that's that's a five-man unit situation right like so your forwards Fair. first of all need to identify what's going on on the ice i mean let's face it you're playing in the nhl it's not all about just getting the puck on your tape and going forward like you're gonna have to defend and i i you know i i'm reluctant to go here but with with when we played with Guy Boucher, which is again the extreme with with the 131 one, and always having a forward back i'm not suggesting that that's what Ottawa needs right now cuz you obviously want to let the forwards play play offense and get creative with the puck but you need a high man that's responsible and when you're trying to manage a game like and we talked about it a little bit during the game when i was referring to the Tampa game where you know somehow miraculously Ottawa still had a lead going into that third period and Tim Stutzler threw that absolute pizza across the ice. Those are situations that you can't have. Now, to address your point, Pilsy, directly on the defense thing, when they're jumping up, that's just communicating with your forward group, and they need to identify it. You have to have, you have to have your head up. You have to be looking around all the time. You have to be shoulder checking, making sure that you have your guy, Um, because when that D-man jumps up, you're creating an odd man rush immediately, unless you have numbers back. There's no real scientific way to break that down. It's as simple as just communicating, and... These players will eventually start to get more comfortable playing together because we do forget there are there was some turnover over the offseason. You've got new numbers. But I mean, at 10 games in, you would expect better at this point. You've had a full training camp, you've got your preseason games under your belts. Now you've got 10 games. I'm I don't want to say that they are what they are just yet. I do think there's plenty of room to improve. Certainly and, and we forget here. You know, we're we're all talking about how the sky is falling to some degree but you're still missing your top defensive centerman and your best defensive defenseman. I mean, they're not playing right now. So, you know, that's, that's the the elephant in the room here that I think we, we tend to forget, but when those guys come back, you have to think things are going to settle again, but um, you know, this is adversity that you're dealing with. Boston dealt with it a little bit at the start of the season. They seem to be okay. So this is where your leaders have to figure it out. And and again, defensive structure, they have to clean this up. They need to sit down and have, obvious spots to be at on the ice in certain scenarios where everything's automatic
0: i know this is kind of a loser mentality but do players care at all that the opponents are top end with florida tampa vegas or is it at some point just win a damn game like what do you mean like i mean those are three tough teams right oh yeah yeah, yeah. you lose to them Even by, one, by one goal many. yeah yeah and they're all um, one goal games like you're right there and despite i mean Maybe you weren't right there losing 5 1 midway through the game, like you mentioned, but even the Florida game, it's only a two goal game because of an empty netter.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And that's where that's just, and that's managing the play, right? Managing the puck, making sure that you're not throwing, you know, high risk plays across the ice. And I'm not trying to lump on Stutzler. That was one play, but, but yeah, that's, that's where maturity comes in. And you saw it with Vegas. I mean, the way they were playing to get to that. Now, they didn't play, they didn't play great afterwards. Ottawa had a great response but the way they managed the puck throughout that first period, like they were getting outshot, but they were capitalizing on all their opportunities because they were just so good and they weren't throwing around, they weren't throwing pizzas out there. They weren't making a lot of turnovers. They were responsible in their own zone. That's what you want to see when it comes to like a growth perspective with Ottawa that I'm looking for at some point. I don't know when it's going to happen, when things are going to click. And yes, you mentioned some of these teams they played Ross, like many, many, going into that mini game. Like I looked at the sheet before the game. Cause I hadn't been following them that much. I didn't realize they had been struggling, but that was a good team that was just yeah. waiting to break out and sure as shit. They did it against Ottawa they had to. and then they go against Florida. They go against Tampa and then you lose last night against Vegas. I mean, these are, these are top tier NHL hockey teams, right? So again, they were on a four game hitter, four game heater. You draw four. They're still not in a terrible position. They're still in a better spot than they were last year. So it's okay. Now, I will definitely hit the panic button if they drop a couple more. You know, if they can't beat Philly, okay, then we have a problem, and I can understand you know some angry text messages coming into your show afterwards. So that will be justified. So this is a huge, huge game coming up here on Saturday.
1: Yeah, there's uh, let's let's keep that panic button tucked away for now, though. And it's for now, yeah, we we know you got to get going here. So final question for me, Mark, and let's end this on a on a high note. What what's a positive that you've got for the senators so far in this season?
2: Uh, Jake Sanderson. And nice. and yep. and I'm reluctant to go too far because I've only seen a small sample size. But but from what I saw last night with Talbot, and, and that's not shunning Forsberg, because in my opinion, he's been very good as well. Yeah. But Talbot looked so calm. And one of the biggest things I noticed was he was very chatty out there. So I was I was sitting up in that booth area and you catch a lot of stuff that you won't see on the camera and it reminded me of Craig Anderson. He looked so calm and cool and he was chatting to his defensemen. That extra set of eyes letting guys know where everybody is on the ice is huge. And and I touched on Sanderson. I mean, what a what a bright spot. I didn't think he'd be as impactful as he has been, logging 20 some odd minutes now as of late every night he's composed. He looks like a veteran. That's a huge bonus right now for Ottawa. Huge sigh of relief knowing that that young kid could come in now. Like we were talking about him potentially having to play maybe some AHL games. No chance. He's been Mm -hmm. terrific.
0: Yeah. Great, great call there. And uh, not to bring up something for, but eight years ago, you scored a goal on camp Talbot. Crazy to think this guy's still kicking in the national hockey league and uh, looking forward to seeing him get the start on Saturday. They've got, uh, winnable game Saturday and then the Canucks on Tuesday and they have just yeah. been a gong show. So we talk about tough games. This is a stretch where the Senators have to get a few wins together. Hey, Meth. next time we get you on, we're going to be talking Daniel Alfredson as his Hall of Fame induction will be right around yes. the corner. So your homework is to lock in at least one story for us about the great Daniel Alfredson. I know you only played with him, what, one year or two in Ottawa?
2: couple of years, but 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 it feels like I played with him forever. I got a
0: lot of stories, so we can go I there. See. We'll save it at that. For today, we say goodbye. For Mark Mathot and Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day.